Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a Monday morning, a beautiful Monday here in the state of Iowa. Talking about the weekend that was, Iowa's lost to Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game. We found out the bowl destination against Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl on New Year's Day. Plus a huge week of hoops coming up for both the men and the women as we open Big Ten play. And it's Cyhawk week for basketball. I appreciate you listening uh, didn't do an instant reaction after the game for several reasons. One, it was very late. And two, uh, there wasn't a whole lot to react to. And I wanted to kind of, uh, A, let myself uh, digest what we saw uh, on Saturday night in Indianapolis. Uh, and then also kind of get a good good grip on what the bowl game was going to be, who the matchup was, and all of that stuff. So I could cover it all here on the podcast. Um, tough game. Real tough game. Microcosm of the season, right? Uh, and defense that, again, proved itself to be elite. Uh, this defense, which started the season good to very good, made a turn about halfway through to great, and ended up rivaling, I think, some of the better defenses uh, that, that Iowa has put on the field under Kirk Ferentz and certainly under Phil Parker. And that's with... Without Noah Shannon, who would have been a major contributor this season, and the final three games uh, without Cooper DeGene, who was the Big Ten defensive back of the year, first team all Big Ten, uh, probably had a chance to be the Big Ten defensive player of the year had he uh, remained healthy in those final couple of games, and certainly would have had an impact on the game on Saturday night. Although, let's be honest, not probably not a winning impact. I think the the injury situation that I would dealt with all season long that we've talked about ad nauseum here on the podcast and everywhere else uh, just was too much for Iowa to overcome against a team like that. And, you know, had Iowa had Cade McNamara and Eric All and Luke Lachey, I, I would have liked to seen that game. I would have liked to have seen this Iowa team match up with that Michigan team when Iowa was at full strength. The problem is we don't know what Iowa would have looked like at full strength because we never really saw it this season, at least not offensively. And um, and that's ultimately the, the disappointing thing. You know, I'm glad that Beth Getz made the move when she did to announce Brian Ferentz was not going to be uh, retained as offensive coordinator. I think it would have been more difficult to make that move uh, after the four-game win streak to end the regular season, although after that game on Saturday uh, and the the output or lack thereof from this offense, um, it is a move she would have been able to make at this point. You know, you don't expect a huge change in the bowl game, and so we'll talk about that as we move along here. But it was the right move to make, and I'm glad it happened uh, when it did. I'm happy that Brian got to experience some success and kind of have his farewell tour over those those final four games uh, in the regular season. Got to coach in another Big Ten championship game. We'll get to coach in another major bowl game uh, and, and game plan for another opponent. But it's time to move on. And again, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this more as we move forward here. But back to this game, a 26-0 final. And, you know, Iowa's defense just, again, proved to be Elite. Um, that's a very, very good Michigan team, number one in the country. Um, and and I would just really held them down outside of that first drive, which was fifty something yards and and ended in a field goal. Fifty three yard, thirteen play drive that ended in a field goal. 
first of all, that's a win against a team like Michigan on their scripted drive to hold them to a field goal. Uh, if you have any sort of an offense, you feel good about that. But the rest of Michigan's scoring drives were two plays, five yards, a touchdown after the fumble. No, after the the uh, the punt return, the long punt return. It's 10 nothing at halftime as it was against Penn State. This didn't quite get as out of hand as the Penn State game did. Um, but then a, a one-play, six-yard touchdown drive after the fumble and the BS review call that gave Michigan the ball again inside. Well, it would have been like the 12. Brian Ferentz rightfully got an un- unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. And so that was a one-play, six-yard drive. Michigan's next field goal drive was 28 yards, nine, nine plays, 28 yards, and ends in a field goal. That's a great defensive play. Four plays, negative three yards, ends in a field goal. And then six plays, 23 yards, ends in a field goal. The problem is you can't score and you can't, if if you can't score, you can't win. And this defense uh, has not been like some of the ones in the past that could find turnovers and turn them into points. Uh, and that's you know that that's too much to expect a defense to be able to do as often as we've seen Iowa do it over the past few years. Unfortunately, that that's Iowa's best offense, and um, and that's that's just too bad. Um, the defense was just constantly put in bad situations, and they found their way out of it. And they played great again, even without Cooper DeGene. You could tell they were they were going after Deshaun Lee and. While they were able to complete some passes, and J.J. McCarthy was 22 of 30, he only had 147 yards. I mean, that's that's not that much better than a bad Deacon Hill performance. And this is a guy who's a great quarterback. Blake Corum, who's the two-time Big Ten running back of the year, had 16 carries for 52 yards. Yeah, he got two touchdowns, but those were those two where they started inside the six-yard line. His long rush on the day was six yards. That's incredible to hold that guy down like that. The amount of pressure this defense was able to get on J.J. McCarthy, uh, I think en route to four sacks, that's incredible, especially against this offensive line that Michigan put out there. Iowa belonged on the field with that team, except offensively. And it's the groundhog day. It's the the repeat, the repetitive thing of... You know, if I would just had a decent offense, what would they have been able to do over these last couple of seasons? Because look what they did do. They made the Big Ten Championship game twice. They've won 10 games twice in the last three seasons. They've had a really, really strong output the last three years. But it all feels like it was held back by the worst offense in Power 5 football. And if you have no offense at all, it's just really, really hard to win games. We've seen them win games against lesser competition, even equal competition. But you play a team like Michigan, your offense is going to have to do something. And it was just abysmal. And one of the more disappointing things is it seemed like they didn't even really try anything different. I mean, there were no real trick plays. And you don't want to get super cute with guys you don't trust out there. And I think at this point, Deacon Hill has a turnover issue that you just you don't trust it uh, because of a couple of fumbles uh, at bad times. But it, it didn't even seem like they were trying to do anything out of the ordinary. It seemed like they thought they could go into this game and win it the way they won at Nebraska 
or against Rutgers. And that just wasn't going to be the case. And and you you probably got a good sense of that pretty early on, certainly in the third quarter. And why they didn't attempt more uh, was just, it's frustrating and disappointing. You know, couldn't get, get themselves going at all. Couldn't get anything going. And then those turnovers just kill you. Um, the, the, obviously the, I think it probably was a fumble on the Deacon Hill. Uh, the first fumble, the ruled incomplete pass. I think it probably was a fumble on, on review. You cannot give Michigan the ball based on that review though. You cannot go back there and say they had a clean recovery of that fumble. Everybody else had stopped. The guy picked up the ball to hand it to the ref. That's why he picked up the ball. He didn't pick up the ball to return it. If he did, he would have run into the end zone. He didn't think it was a fumble. Nobody thought it was a fumble. They had blown the play dead. It's just frustrating. It's not why Iowa lost, but it is frustrating. And again, the microcosm of the season, great defense, bad offense, jobbed by the refs. (laughs) Deacon Hill, you know, he showed improvement over the course of the season. And certainly in those last few weeks of the regular season, he seems like a really nice guy. He seems like a good leader. Uh, did not lose that locker room. Was a big part of kind of keeping that all together. We give Kirk Ferentz a lot of credit there, and I think we should. We give Brian Ferentz and the rest of that coaching staff a lot of credit there. I think we should. But you have to give Deacon Hill credit there as well. He took on that leadership role uh, and and wore it well. And he you know, said the right things in the press and handled himself well. I was proud to have Deacon Hill represent Iowa. He's not a Power 5 quarterback, at least not right now. And again, I've said this before, the, the most damning thing about Brian Ferentz in this offense and his role as offensive coordinator isn't the on-field results, which are terrible. It's not even the scheme, which his father has dictated for 25 years. It's the lack of, of recruitment and development at the quarterback position. You got put into a bad spot because of Cade McNamara's injury. You have to have a better option than Deacon Hill. And I don't know what's going on with Joey Labus. I assume we'll see him in the transfer portal here in the next couple of days, if not today. But you have to have a better option than that. And not having a better option than that is not a Deacon Hill problem. That's a Brian Ferentz problem, a Kirk Ferentz problem, a recruiting and development problem. It's the most glaring issue in this program right now is what the hell are we doing at the quarterback position? How does it take these guys this long to to get ready to understand this offense? How are we not more prepared to have to go to a backup quarterback than we were this season? Deacon Hill should not have been out there. Credit to him for doing all that he did, playing the way he played for the most part, um, you know, holding it together, but. We got to do better than that. Tory Taylor, great. Caden uh, Wechen, Wechen. I'll learn how to say it. We all will. He's got some spunk to him, man, huh? He's got some speed. He's going to be a problem at some point. So the, the the special teams weren't bad. We never got to see Drew Stevens attempt anything. I, I thought it was so disrespectful that... Vegas had Iowa's, you know, total points at six and a half. And they're, I think each each half they're over under for points scored was like half of a point. Basically, will they or won't they even score? I thought that was so disrespectful. I mean, this is a 10-win team playing for a conference championship. 
I know they're not great, but come on. They're going to score. Yeah, they didn't score. And in the end, Michigan was just a better team. But we did belong in that field. And if we had had a competent offense, that would have been a hell of a game. They may have still won. That would have been a hell of a game. Because of how good that defense has been. So now you move on. We'll look at the bowl game. We'll look ahead to that. And we'll look at what has to change for this Iowa program to take that next step. It's such a weird place to be uh, within this Iowa program right now. And again, it's something I've talked about quite a bit this season on this podcast. Um, There is a glaring need for change. And yet the bottom hasn't fallen out. As a matter of fact, the, the floor of this program feels like it's risen over the last several years. Now the ceiling has come down to the point where it feels insurmountable. It feels like a ceiling you can't break through. And that ceiling is, uh, you know, competing with an elite team. Iowa can't do that. But they also just went 10-2 and in the regular season. Won the Big Ten West by three games, essentially. Had it locked up before the final week of the season. And is still putting a, a defense and special teams units on the field that can compete with anybody in the country. So it's this weird place where if everything was terrible, it'd be easy to make a change because everything's not terrible. And the only thing that's terrible is this offense. It's not easy to make a a drastic overhaul because you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And Iowa fans are, are trigger shy when it comes to that gun shy when it comes to that and should be. But after every loss, you kind of have the same conversation. Okay, where are we? You have to kind of reevaluate everything as a program. And the bottom line is the offense has to change, and not just by bringing in a new offensive coordinator. Kirk Ferentz, who by all accounts seems like he's prepared to continue coaching this team, continue leading this program, he needs to make a major change this offseason. And it's it's – to himself, regardless of who he hires, whether it's Paul Christ, who's going to run a similar style, whether it's John Budmeyer, please God, no. Or whether it's somebody who comes in, you know, with a whole new outlook, whatever it is, it doesn't matter unless Kirk Ferentz lets go of this offense and allows it to evolve and to change and to grow into this, this newer style of football, allow Iowa to, Make some mistakes and put your defense in some bad positions, potentially. Not be afraid of that. Because the upside of it, what's the upside? The upside of it is competing in games like the one you just lost. Is scoring points, period. You know, we'll break down this matchup against Tennessee, but ultimately it it feels a bit like a fool's errand because if Iowa's offense can't move the ball, if they can't score... They can't win. This defense isn't going to score 20 points. They're going to hold teams to less than 20 points more often than not. And even a really good Tennessee offense, I think, should be real worried about playing this Iowa team, especially an Iowa team with a month to prepare. Give Phil Parker a month to game plan your offense. You're in trouble. But if you only have to score 10 points to feel good about winning a game, that's a, that's a bad place to be for the opponent. 
And that's where Iowa is right now. And so, you know, I try to stay optimistic, as as you know, and um, I've heard a lot of people just kind of out and out dismiss any possibility that Kirk Ferentz will allow real change to happen. But we've seen real change happen within this program before under Kirk Ferentz, and I think it can happen again. He just needs to be convinced of it. And I don't know how you couldn't be after after looking at this season as a whole when he goes and, and evaluates this season. And obviously some things could change depending on how Iowa plays in the bowl game, but you just you you can't run this same scheme, this same philosophy, and these same players out and expect to win games against good teams. You can compete with the other teams in the Big Ten West, and you can compete with the teams that you're going to play more often than not. But the schedule does get tougher. The situation does change moving forward. And Iowa just really, really needs to uh, you know, allow a quarterback. You, you watch those other championship games, and having a quarterback who can make something happen with his feet, and not a guy who you're necessarily running option plays with or... or you know, letting you know, trying to get to a hundred yards rushing a game or anything like that. That's not what what we're talking about. But a guy who can extend plays, a guy who can scramble confidently, a guy who can get that pick up that third and six uh, when he's rushed out of the pocket and it opens up for him. A guy who can do more offensively with his legs than just quarterback sneak. You need that in today's. Age of fo- the backyard football that Brian Ferentz mentioned a year ago. You need that to happen. You need to be able to find and develop and utilize wide receivers. You do a great job with the tight ends. We saw the depth at that position this year. We're going to put, I mean, if, if Lachey and all both go to the NFL, they're both going to be NFL tight ends. If they come back, they'll be Big Ten first team level tight ends. It seems like Addison Ostranga and Stilianos and some of those other guys that we saw this season also have that capability. You're pretty good at developing running backs. Not great, but pretty good. We'll see what the transfer portal does to that position. That's that's one where I worry. I don't worry a whole lot about the transfer portal in general. Um, I know we lost a cornerback uh, Sunday who announced he was he was going. We're deep at that position. I don't think Caleb Brown goes anywhere. A, he, he just transferred here, and, and he became a bigger part of the, of the offense as the season went on. I think if you're Caleb Brown, you look at next year, you say, Cade McNamara is going to be back. We're going to have a different offensive coordinator. I've already kind of proven that I can be the number one receiver. Some of these older guys are going to get out, get out of my way. And I think if you're Caleb Brown, you stick around. I think if you're the tight ends, right, you stick around. If you're... So, so I'm sure there will be some defections. There always are. It's it's a new age of college football. And I'm sure Iowa will go out into the transfer portal and, and try to get more players. Um, we did a really nice job with that last season. The Swarm Collective has done a really nice job of staying engaged. Beth Getz has embraced them uh, to a, a great standpoint or to a great extent. And so I think we're, we're well-suited moving into the transfer portal. Um and there will probably be a surprise or two, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if a Caleb Johnson and or a Jazz Patterson decide to try somewhere else. And you're going to have to replace those guys. It's going to be interesting. The transfer portal is nuts, man. I mean, to have 
all these quarterbacks already already going. Spencer Rattler and Ohio State's quarterback and guys who have been starters on blue blood teams who had good seasons transferring for why who the hell knows why. That's neither here nor there. But I don't expect a, a huge issue in the transfer portal. Again, the only and, and there's there's a lot of guys with NFL decisions to make. You hope you return at least some of those guys. Don't want to go down the whole list right now and you know say whether or not they should, but there are gonna be guys who have decisions to make and you know we'll we'll deal with those decisions as they come, but the most important thing this offseason, again, isn't even the hire of an offensive coordinator. It's can Kirk let go? Can he allow this this offense, this program, to move into a new era offensively? If so, there's no reason things can't stay really good. There's no reason Iowa can't compete at the, at the highest level in this conference. If not, it's probably going to get worse. And the end of the Ferentz era is probably going to be on a on a downslide, and that's that's no. I mean, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that. Let's look quickly at the uh, the matchup against Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, certainly a, a contrast to styles. Um, Tennessee. Let's see. They went eight and four this season in the SEC. They they lost all three rivalry games they played. That would be to. Um, Georgia, Bama. I don't know if Missouri is a is a rivalry game, but they went zero three against those teams. They did give Bama a scare. They led at halftime in that game, but I didn't do well in the second half. Here's some rankings for them offensively: scoring offense, they're forty first at thirty one and a half points per game. Scoring defense, they allow twenty two points per game. Um, they're 17th in total offense at 453 yards per game. So I was going to have its hands full, hands full shutting that down, but they did well against Michigan. It's a different offense for sure. Uh, but like Tennessee's rushing offense is 13th in the country at 202 yards a game. They're not going to rush for 200 yards against this Iowa defense. Their total D, they're 40th. They give up about, about 350 yards a game, uh, but they're better on the rushing side of that giving up just 113 yards a game, ranked 25th in the country. The places where you can kind of uh, take advantage of them, I think, uh, penalties. They are 129th out of 133 Power 5 teams in penalty yards per game. They get penalized a lot, and that's where Iowa really makes hay. Time of possession, they're way down, um, and their turnover margin, they're 39th. Josh Heupel's 21-0 at Tennessee when the opponent scores less than 27 points. That's from Cody Hills on Twitter. Holy cow. We're not getting 27. So that worries you. I think uh, the line I saw Tennessee favored by seven and a half. Um, that feels about right. It's going to be a low scoring game, but can Iowa score? That's the biggest, the biggest question. Um, and Unfortunately, as we sit here today, it's hard to answer yes to that, right? It's it, it feels like I was not going to be able to score and therefore going to have a really hard time winning this game. But it's cool. We're going to Orlando. It's a Citrus Bowl. It's a, an SEC team. Uh, that's all good. It's a New Year's Day Bowl. That's all fun. Um, it's interesting the way this lines up with the, the last time Iowa played Tennessee. 
in the Tax Slayer Bowl. That would have been early 2015 after the 2014 season. And that season, it really felt like the closest most people have gotten to ready to move on from Kirk Ferentz. Jake Rudock had had a really rough season. Um, It just, again, it kind of felt like this, where it felt like Iowa had the ceiling they couldn't get past. And even though things weren't terrible, they weren't going in the right direction, and it didn't feel like Kirk was going to be able to adjust and make the changes needed to make. Now, of course, he did, and C.J. Beathard led Iowa to a 12-0 regular season that very next year. And so does this bowl game against Tennessee kind of serve that same uh, divisional purpose, right? Where, and by, I mean, dividing kind of two eras, Uh, we, we can look at that tax slayer bowl and say, you know, kind of before and after before those, those few seasons before that felt like the end of the Ferentz era since then, they've really had a lot of success. If you can, can this game now be the, you know, Bad offense and good offense divisional mark. Who knows? Let's look at a little basketball as Iowa has a a big, big, big stretch of games here this week. Uh, play Purdue at Purdue tonight. Um, you you don't feel good about that game. <laughs> uh, Purdue was ranked number one. I haven't seen the AP poll yet today, but they will uh, almost certainly drop a little bit after losing to Northwestern. We, it's not great to have Northwestern um, beat Purdue just before Iowa comes to town. Iowa struggles so mightily in that gym. They struggle against Matt Painter. They struggle against Purdue, period. But that place is a house of horrors. It feels like we always have to play an early game at Purdue where we just get blown out. So you just hope you make this close tonight. You keep it close. Even if it does get out of hand, You know, midway through the second half, you're able to fight back claw your way back in, show some fight. You don't expect to win this game, though, by any means. But then you've got a couple of big games after that. Thursday night, you're at Iowa State. This is an Iowa State team that has shown flashes of being really good, but has also struggled with teams with a pulse, and Iowa certainly has a pulse. That's going to be a a tough atmosphere inside the Hilton Coliseum. I'm assuming it'll be sold out. It usually is. It's going to be loud in there. It's going to be fun, man. That That's that's a fun game. This is a fun matchup because um, Iowa goes in without a whole lot to lose. Now, you don't want to lose two in a row, all of that, uh, assuming that you lose tonight at Purdue. But you go into that game, and the expectations are on Iowa State because they're the team with uh, this, this stud recruiting class. They're the team that's supposed to be turning a corner supposed to be gaining momentum in the non-conference to go into Big 12 play, and they're at home, they're supposed to win this game. Iowa can just go in and punch them in the face, right? And if, if you get hot, if you're shooting well, if you play good defense, if you rebound, you feel good about this game. Tony Perkins has had big games against Iowa State in the past. Having the Sanfords, having Iowa guys who feel invested in this game, Patrick McCaffrey certainly wants to get a win here. I think that that benefits Iowa. I don't feel supremely confident in that game, but I feel like it's going to be a game. And I, I think there's no reason Iowa can't go in and win that game. Now, will they? Who knows? Iowa State has some really good players. They have more of an offense than they've had the last few years, and they play defense uh, 
as well as anybody. So that's going to be a heck of a game. That's going to be fun. And then you've got Michigan coming to Carver Sunday afternoon, 3.30. Uh, and that's that's going to feel like a must-win game, I think, because assuming you lose tonight to Purdue, even if you beat Iowa State, it's such a hole to be 0-2 in Big Ten play in December. You, you just feel like you have to get that game at home. You need to protect your home court inside Big Ten play. And this is a Michigan team that's not very good. They're not... You know they're always going to be Michigan. They're always going to be okay, uh, but they're four and four in the season, and they've lost to Oregon and Texas Tech. They beat Stanford. They lost to Memphis. They lost to Long Beach State. I don't know anything about Long Beach State, but that's not a game you want to lose. Uh, looking at the the net rankings, which dropped today, Michigan is. Gosh, I want to say. See, I'm still scrolling and still scrolling. Michigan is 89th in the net rankings that dropped today. Iowa 25th in those net rankings. Purdue is 5th, and Iowa State is 13th. So, you win one of these three, you feel okay, especially if it's one of the two against the Big Ten team. Yeah, again, you, you don't want to go 0-2 in Big Ten play. So, you win one of these these three, you feel okay. You win two of these, you feel pretty good. And that would be nice. Go go two and one in these next three games. You feel real good about that uh, as you move into the the kind of next phase of the season. The Iowa women are at Iowa State Wednesday night. Iowa women ranked fourth again. Haven't seen the new AP poll today, and haven't really looked to see if anything changed above Iowa. But I wouldn't expect that them to change much. And I don't expect Iowa State to give Iowa much of a game here. Um, it'll you know it's a rivalry game. You're on their court. It's going to be again a, a sold out Hilton Coliseum. So there's all of that. These girls are going to want to beat Caitlin Clark. It may be their last chance to do so, and they're going to want to hang that uh, on their mantle. They're going to want to have that as part of their resume. And Iowa State is is well coached, uh, but they lost a lot after the last couple of seasons where they, they really could kind of compete with Iowa or felt like they could. They were on that, maybe not quite that level, but a similar level. And so you feel like Iowa should go in Wednesday night and – pretty much dominate that game and then you're at Wisconsin on Sunday the Iowa women are and that's a a bad Wisconsin program I don't think I was lost to them since like 2017 maybe even longer than that Uh, but I always had Wisconsin's number so again you feel good about the Iowa women uh, moving into this week we will have it all covered at HawkeyeNation.com as we always do Uh, being out of the regular season of football is going to affect the the podcast schedule a little bit. Uh, obviously, won't have opposition research podcasts. Um, not going to do the Hawkeye Nation radio show until we get closer to the bowl game. I will talk to somebody who covers Tennessee as we get closer to that bowl game and do do one more opposition research podcast on that. And then I'll uh, I'll do some instant reactions with with basketball, both men's and women's. Um, you know, depending on on how it all plays out. But uh, certainly plan to to still have a. Uh, a couple of weekly podcasts for you here, and um, and we'll we'll stay together as we move through into the transfer portal, into the off season. You know, maybe the biggest hire Kirk Ferentz has ever made at offensive coordinator, and uh, a lot going on. Check it all out at HawkeyeNation.com. I appreciate you listening, and go Hawks! <laughs>